1: Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself.
2: When you feel like giving up, just remember the reason why you held on for so long. Haley Williams. Hello, and welcome back to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be the Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who's volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit btsya.com. Every dollar counts and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music. iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. I'm Ruhani, the host for today's show. Today, we will be talking about preventing teen suicide. To preface, this is a very heavy topic, and it can be triggering for some. So please make sure to take care of yourself while listening. In segment two, I'll be interviewing Elliot Callen, president of a Brighter Day Charity, who which works on teen suicide prevention. In segment. Three, I'll be sharing some facts on what to do if you see someone you love struggling. And I'll also be reading one of my favorite poems. And right now, I'll be talking about what to do if you feel like you are struggling and read another one of my favorite poems. Let's get started. First and foremost, it's very important to remember that reaching out for help is a sign of strength and it's not a weakness. If you're feeling lonely and experiencing any suicidal thoughts, please consider the following steps. Number one reach out to someone you trust. This is really helpful. If you connect with a friend, family member, or a trusted adult who can provide support, it can alleviate your burden and sharing your feelings can really provide comfort during any challenging times. Number two is seeking professional help. This is when you reach out to a mental health professional or a counselor who specializes in dealing with suicidal thoughts. They're trained to provide the necessary guidance and support to help you through a difficult period. I know at my school, we have multiple therapists on campus, and we also have a school counselor. And my school counselor has been so helpful, really kind, and whenever I had stress about a certain class, she would be the first person I'd go to, and she definitely helped. Number three is contacting a helpline. Helplines provide confidential and anonymous support 24-7. There are many dedicated helplines available in many countries that can offer guidance or lend a blended listening ear and connect you to more resources. In my county, there is a 24-7 text line which can give helpful advice. And I remember hearing about it in middle school and I know many people who've used it and have really, um, really gotten help from it over the years. Number four is creating a safety plan. This is when you actually collaborate with a mental health professional, develop a safety plan tailored to your specific needs, So it can be coping strategies, supportive contacts, and steps to take in a crisis situation. Number five, and this is very, very crucial, is avoiding isolation. When feeling lonely, it's very important to resist this urge to isolate yourself from the world. Instead, you should try to engage in activities that bring you joy, such as hobbies, exercise, or spending time with supportive friends. Connecting with others can provide a sense of belonging and a sense of support. Now, some people I know feel like they don't have this in person, which is why step number six is reaching out to online communities. So there are some online support communities and forums where you can connect with people who are going through something similar. And sometimes participating in these communities can provide a sense of understanding and empathy. And of course, you have to be wary of the information you're giving out online. But if you feel like it's somewhere where these are real people who are struggling and They can help you and you can help them. I say definitely join the community. Number seven is taking care of your physical health, which of course is very tied to your mental well-being. So you want to prioritize self-care, which includes getting enough sleep, eating well-balanced meals, and engaging in regular physical activity. So taking care of your physical health can positively impact your mental well-being. And I started going to the gym like last month, and ever since then, I... Have definitely felt um, kind of a spike in my mental health. I just feel like very content with myself. It's not much to do with like changing how my body looks, but more of just like having this sort form of like catharsis. And number eight is removing or removing any potential means of self-harm. So if you have access access to items that could be used for self-harm, Make sure you remove them or ask someone you trust to keep them safely out of reach. Restricting access to such means can provide this critical buffer during more vulnerable moments. Another thing I want to focus on in this show is how to use social media positively, which we talked about before. But I feel like for teens around the world, so- social media can be used as an outlet to express feelings of despair. Like I mentioned earlier, these online um, forums or communities However, I definitely think that causes constantly seeing like depressing content can cause you to feel isolated or overwhelmed. For me personally, like on TikTok, I know I'll be scrolling through and I'll just have this like influx of very sad videos on my page, you know, whether it be like current events or what someone is going through. And of course, it's important to like be informed, but make sure um, you take a step back when you feel like it's getting too much for you. So here's some more tips on how to use social media wisely. So number one is creating a positive online environment, which is basically following accounts that inspire, educate, and uplift you. Kind of surround yourself with content that promotes self-acceptance, self-care, and mental health awareness. Kind of be involved in these supportive communities and individuals who share your values and interests. For me, I love following accounts that tell like history facts or kind of like get ready with me's in the morning, which is basically like seeing girls my age, how they get ready for school. It just brings me a lot of comfort for some reason to see like other people share like similar routines to me. And these people seem like very kind um, social media influencers. Number two is setting boundaries. So that means limiting your time on social media and providing these boundaries to protect your mental well-being. Consider like scheduling specific times for social media use and avoid excessive scrolling. Remember, it's okay to take breaks and disconnect when needed. I know that some people actually have like a screen time limit on their phone. And I had to do that for TikTok, especially during school when I was like super busy because I would just spend hours on there, just mindlessly going from the next video to the next. And it really got too much. So now before I sleep, I make sure like, one hour before I sleep, I just don't go on my phone anymore because it definitely, I definitely have like an insomnia problem and being on my phone aggravates it. Number three is practicing digital detox, which is basically just taking these regular breaks from social media to recharge and reconnect with the present moment. Engage in more offline activities that bring you joy, such as spending time in nature or connecting with loved ones face to face. Recently, I've been going hiking in Santa Cruz. I feel like that's very helpful. And it's lovely to just see how nature looks like in the morning with your friends. I wasn't able to do that um, in my other years of high school because of how busy I was. But now that I'm more free, I can really do things I love. Number four is engaging mindfully. Be conscious of your emotions and reactions when using social media. So if certain content, makes you consider on following them or muting accounts that you feel are triggering negative emotions, go for it. Just engage in this meaningful conversations and supporting others online. I think social media is definitely a place where bullying can happen, especially if like a video goes viral or and it's something that people want to make fun of, whether if it's like a physical feature or people that they think are weird. I've seen that in many cases, which is really unfortunate. But I think that the best way to do that is making sure that when you post, it's to, you have options to just post for your friends rather than like a whole audience if you're not comfortable with that. And also make sure you don't make other people, like don't bring other people down when you're commenting something. Number five is promoting authenticity. So be mindful of the content you share and the image you project online. I would rather embrace authenticity authenticity and vulnerability by sharing both the highs and lows of your life because I feel like definitely there is this kind of fake I mean we already know this there's a lot of fakeness to social media where people kind of cherry pick what they share but in all honesty no one's life is that perfect no one's going to like the Bahamas every day and like going shopping and like spending thousands of dollars on you know Clothes or something. It's rather, I think it's more helpful to share the truth. And that can be like mental health awareness. I've seen many like viral videos about, like authentic videos about people's struggles rather than just like presenting this glossy image of their life. So once again, remember that your mental well being is just as important as your physical well being. You need to prioritize self care seek support from trusted friends and family, and reach out to mental health professionals when needed. Social media can be a powerful tool, but using it mindfully and positively is key to maintaining a healthy relationship with it. Next, I wanna share this beautiful poem about suicide prevention. It's called Stay by Tanner Olson. Stay. Today, all I can say is stay, stay. And I know that may not be easy to hear and that this one word might bring fear, but stay, stay for the sunsets and sunrises and surprises that do somersaults straight into your soul. Stay for the sequels and prequels, because you never know if Space Jam 2 will be a bust or beautiful. Stay for the reunions and weddings and reruns of Kings of Queens and Freaks and Geeks. Stay for viral videos of animals doing only what we thought they could do in our dreams. Stay to take another step with grace. Stay to wake up to another day that could be the best day. Stay to shake the slumber of your sleeping self. Stay for confetti cake because confetti cake is good. Stay for summer days at the lake and for the moments of give and take. Stay. And I know, I know today is hard. And tomorrow might be too. But move closer to see the beauty found within all that has come to be. Let the light shine through all the cracks, scars, and questions, and stay. And I know there are days when the last thing you want to do is stay, but if you stay for today, then I'll see you tomorrow, and tomorrow is worth staying for, and maybe tomorrow we can have some confetti cake. Okay, that's all the time we have for this segment. Make sure you stay tuned for our next segment where I'll be talking to Elliot, president of A Brighter Day Charity. And we want to hear your thoughts, and we want to hear your questions. So email us at btsyateenradio.gmail.com. That's btsyateenradio.gmail.com. Check out our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com and our creative community site at are.org You can get involved with the Be The Star You Are charity, buy books and t-shirts in our store, sign up for a free newsletter, and make a donation to Be The Star You Are. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates
1: from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. with us at be the Star, you are and the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
3: Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you.
0: You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com.
2: Now, back to our star teens. Hello, and welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm Rohani, your host for today's show on preventing teen suicide. Right now, I'm going to interview Elliot Callen, president of a brighter day charity which works on teen suicide prevention. Elliot is a leader who brings over 30 years of passion and robust entrepreneurial business ownership experience to his elite financial planning and ad- advising practice. He has built international organizations, been a CEO of two other companies before forming Prosperity Financial Group Incorporated, and is a frequent keynote speaker to charities podcasts and radio shows on motivation, leadership, charitable charitable work, marketing, and various financial subjects. Elliot is the president of a brighter day charity, the nonprofit he began following the suicide of his youngest son Jake in 2015. This charity unites stress and depression resources with teens and their parents with the goal of stopping teen suicide the resources of A Brighter Day have touched thousands of families and is having a major impact on the lives of our teens and parents. Elliot, I'm so glad to talk to you today. Thank you for having me. So I guess we should just get right into it. And my first question for you is, what was the motivation and original goals for the charity?
3: So in 2015, right in January of 2015, my youngest son, Jake, age 19 and a sophomore at the University of Montana, on an early Friday morning, walked up to the highway and jumped in front of an oncoming truck and took his own life. And so all day Friday, we were looking for him. We didn't know he was already gone. No drugs, no alcohol. He had, we didn't even know he was suffering from depression. So we were parents, the last ones to know. And at 6.30 at night, Federal Express showed up with a six-page suicide note. And basically, in the first main paragraph, it said, Mom and Dad, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I never would have told you how I felt. I never would have asked for your help. And I never would have taken your help. And we knew, after flying up to collect his body, what was left of it in Montana, and bring it back to Lafayette, California, for burial, we knew, after reading that, paragraph over and over and over on the plane coming home that we had to do something to stop this destruction and devastation happening to other families. And mm-hmm. that was our original motivation that we began late in 2015 by working with teens and teen bands and creating some incredible, these incredible resources for teens um, and then later would become their families. But to put it in perspective, in the first four years of the charity, and I know we'll talk more about this, in the first four years of the charity, we handed out at these concerts 4,000, excuse me, a total of 2,000 backpacks, about 500 a year, touching for teens and their parents. Just last month, we surpassed 10,000 of these. Just wow. last month. So we're, we're doing more in a month than we did in the first four years times five.
2: Mm. You know, I'm so sorry for your loss. And it's so admirable how you created this support system for teens. And they really need it. You know, there's this ongoing crisis of depression and suicide. And do you think your goals have changed since forming the charity to now?
3: Well, they've expanded to include parents. But here's our goal. We Mm -hmm. create resources for teens and their families with a goal of stopping teen suicide. Online resources, texting resources. Zoom resources, counseling services. We do that now, not just in Northern California, but in all 50 states. And we do that stopping teen suicide. So we know, very hard to quantify that, but we know that we're changing lives. What we can't quantify is how many families and teens are downloading or using our text line or doing something with all these amazing resources that are originally created by us. But it's hard to measure it for stopping suicide. But I've got four letters on my desk from parents saying, thank you for saving my teen's life.
2: Wow, that is so inspiring. And all these communities that you've talked to, how have they embraced you and challenged you?
3: Well, some have been very good and some have not. So what's been very good is the city of Lafayette, the city of Danville, the city of Palo Alto, and about four or five other cities. Uh, What's been really difficult for us is penetrating to the school system I get, You know, I talk to principals all the time, college counselors, and there seems to be no enthusiasm for our types of service to help their teens out, and that's because they don't get paid on it. Some of them were really honest off the record and said they're not judged and they're not paid by anything we do, and therefore they don't really have any interest. They're busy enough with things that are, they are being judged on and graded on. And so although the principals will all tell you they're interested in teen health. In reality, the few that have been very honest with us off the record have said, you know, I just want to get through through the month of May with no suicide and nobody hurting themselves. So we can get through the summer and move on.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I go to a very, very competitive high school, and we've probably had five suicides in the past decade. And I would say that my counselor has been very helpful um, She's a new counselor and I definitely feel like she, there's a clear difference between her and the previous one, but there is still this ongoing struggle. And I'd say that majority of like this awareness comes not from the school itself, but from the programs that students have implemented, like peer resource. And I think that if this charity can maybe collaborate with them, these student run organizations, it could also make a huge difference because I think they're doing a lot of good work.
3: Rahani, you are 100% correct. We would love to make that happen. We have a marketing person that would love to work with student organizations. I know the school year is coming to an end here, but we would love that because any way that we can come in and help teens out in any form, we're going to jump on.
2: Yep. Yeah, and I think if you can just have this like social media marketing, that would also help as well. And I know that there's so many teens who would probably need your services. And what current programs um, is a charity doing to grow?
3: So we have several ones. let me let me let me start with what we began with, which was online programming, online resources every other week. We have a new newsletter that comes out. It's amazing what we're doing. We've got a mailing list of a few thousand that are getting it, and that's growing every single day of the week. And we created a team survival toolkit online. We've created a parental survival toolkit online. it's amazing what we're doing. That's the online programming. Now, teens don't really care about online programming.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: What they care about is texting. So we now have a texting program that works in all 50 states, 24-7, any time of the year, where a teen can text in 741, excuse me, text the word brighter, B-R-I-G-H-T-E-R, to 741-741. And they will, within five minutes, be speaking to a counselor for up to 40 minutes at a time, anywhere anytime any state in the united states wow that's it for some people that doesn't work so we know that if you're a parent and you want to get your teen out of the immediate crisis that they're in and you call a local counselor it could take 6 to 10 weeks to get an appointment
1: mm-hmm.
3: and that's can you imagine your teenager is hurting themselves or threatening to hurt themselves and you need 10 weeks for an appointment that's forever so we created a, again, a Zoom program partnering with an online service where, again, all 50 states, within seven days, we can get any teen in front of a licensed counselor. Some states require their parents to be included. California does not, but we're going to get them Zoom program. Now, when we've checked with this online service, they have told us that because that's a for-pay service, the texting is free. The the but the. Zoom program is an online for-profit service. They say it takes about two to three months to get, our, get your teen out of the crisis mode. So therefore, if they go through a website, our website, abrighterday.info, we will pay for the first three months of counseling.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. And could you please repeat the text line for our listeners to hear? The text line
3: is the word brighter, B-R-I-G-H-T-E-R, Seven four one seven four one, 741-741. And a website to get counseling at is www.abrighterday.info.
2: And do you think that with such amazing charities like A Brighter Day and other similar, you know, nonprofits working towards the same cause, um, do you think that the teen suicide prevention movement is gaining more awareness? And what are some obstacles, do you think, that we continue to face such as like the school system
3: so if i were these are great questions ronnie if i was a for-profit organization i would say that we are at the right time at the right place and business is booming isn't that amazing mm-hmm. and, and so uh, it's booming and there's more recognition tv is more recognition so many places have more recognition that suicide suicide prevention and depression among teens is at an epidemic level level, up 40% just in the last three years on a national basis. People are more aware of it than ever. Schools, they're just handicapped by their own old ideas that we don't want to talk about suicide. If we talk about suicide on campus, then we're giving our teens permission to think about suicide. You know, the same thing that we talked about when I went to high school is the same notion today. Put your head in the sand, Get your kids through school. Don't worry about teen depression. It's not our problem. We'll just deal with it as we go along. That's the school motto.
2: Yep, I totally agree with that. And especially for teens who are struggling today, what advice can you give them?
3: I would say every teen in America, that's my personal goal. Every teen in America should have our texting hotline available to them. That when you want to talk to somebody for any reason, whether it's in the middle of your day at school or during lunch when you get home or if you're awake at midnight or it's Christmas Day and you're feeling horrible, not attack the text line. Get yourself some conversation going. Your parents, I mean, I, I, I'm a father. I would love to know if my teen is in trouble or feeling sad. But if you're not ready to tell your parents, you've got this teen text line at your fingertips. And that's the first thing that should, be, that should happen. They have school counselors. Some of them are very good. Some of them are not. That's just the way it is. If you could talk to your parents about what's going on and ask for some help, that would be the next best thing to do. Sometimes that's a challenge for a lot of teens. But if you want to go out and ask for help on your own to start with, nothing's going to beat the text line and the Zoom line in California. If you go through our website, it's free. And in California, if you're over the age of 12, your parents need not to be included. I'm not advocating that you don't include your parents. I'm a parent. I would want to know, but I get it. And sometimes you're just not ready to share this information with your parents.
2: Definitely. And what advice can you give for the parents of teens who are struggling as well as like other family members?
3: Who so I, I would kids. do a few things. I, I make sure, again, my teen has that text line. I go to our website for lots and lots of resources, a brighterday.info. But you've got to create as a parent, and I say it because I am a parent, you've got to create an atmosphere that allows your teen to share this information and you've got to be non-judgmental because as parents, we want to fix everything, but you've got to let them share this first. And that's really hard to do and almost counterintuitive for parents. So there are three ways that you can get your team to share this information with you that are tried and true. There are lots of other ways, but these are the three that we have found to be by far the most effective ways out there. But it only works if you can create a non-judgmental atmosphere and you talk to them, talk to your team that, look, I don't want to judge you. I don't want to fix you. I just want you to share. So the number one way is make your dinners cell phone free. No social media. No texting. No calling the older sibling at college. No calling grandma and grandpa during dinner. No cell phones at the table. Put them in a basket. Including the parents and then you can find these questions on our website learn as a parent to ask better questions great questions not just how was your day because we all know that so many teens especially boys are cavemen when it comes to answering questions they answer monosyllabically how was your day fine good okay you know nothing the parents been working all day they just want to get through dinner think about it they want to get through dinner Get your team to finish their homework. Get them prepared for anything happening in school. Get them showered if that's what they need to do. And they got to still take care of themselves. There's not a lot of time to do this. So the conversation has to be free and unjudged at, the, at dinner. Now, we also know, Ronnie, that dinners, and a lot of times, because of sports and everything else going around, they can be mighty short or not even existence. Right. They take place in the car with In-N-Out Burger and McDonald's. So if that's the case, that's what's going on, take out the earphones, your iPods, take out any earphones, just have a conversation. In the same way, no radio, no listening music, nothing. Just you and your teen. And get your teen in the front seat, out of the back seat, in the front seat, where they can have a conversation with you in the same non-judgmental way. Then if that doesn't work, we have been programmed as humans that when we walk, We like to talk and share our lives with the person that we're walking with. So once a week, take a walk with your teen with no cell phones and just ask those questions. Share your feelings. Share that as a parent that when you went through high school, it wasn't all roses. You had your own problems. You had your own battles, battles with bullies, battles with class that maybe your teen who's struggling in chemistry can understand because you were struggling in a class but they don't understand that about you because you're just on their case because you know as a parent, good grades can equal a good education and a good foundation for getting a job with good money. But that's not how teens think. That's how we think because we've been there. When you were a teen, you were just trying to get from Monday to Tuesday, from Tuesday to Wednesday. It's so different. And these teens have more homework than ever. They have two, three hours of homework a night. The classes teach less because they're bigger and there's more unruliness than there's ever been. There's more distraction than there's ever been. Social media is killing our teens. We could talk more about that. So you've got to get your teen to understand that you care and that you want to help and that you're willing to play on their ball field to get them some help. That's what you can do as a parent.
2: I totally agree. And Going back to what you said about social media, do you want to go more in depth about that? Because I'm sure there's a lot of content to cover on that topic.
3: Yeah. And so here's what's going on on social media. There's, here's the good side of social media. You need to do a report tomorrow that on Afghanistan. You've got, you could type, or type in Afghanistan. Everything you need to know about Afghanistan and demographics and geopolitical is right there. Everything you need to know about Texas. Or, or presidential politics is right there at your fingertips. That's the good news about social media and your cell phone. What's the bad news? Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, all these things, what they do is they create highlight reels of everybody else's life. And it makes you feel like everybody's having a better time in life than you. And so what it ultimately does for teenagers and this has been tested and proven throughout the country. What it does is it isolates teens that are already feeling depressed. It exacerbates the problem. So here your teen is very slowly beginning the withdrawal process, which is part of depression. They're withdrawing socially. They're withdrawing from clubs. They're withdrawing from sports. They may be withdrawing from school and a class, certain classes. They're isolating themselves and social media is like pouring gasoline on a fire. It makes them feel more isolated. Now, no parent is gonna have that power to take away the, the teen's phone and, take away, and shut down social media. But if you can figure out how to limit it, slow it down, stop the growth, stop the four hours a day, because the average teen is on social media four to six hours a day, a day, not a week, a day. It's amazing. You can slow that down in any format you're going to you're going to help your team out but there's it's not going to be welcomed very well by your team so you've got to make this a partnership so your team can buy into your help
2: yes i totally understand that perspective especially considering that social media can also have triggering content that worsens the problem not just like showing how everyone's life is perfect but these constant like negative videos can also surface on people's feeds and as a team, like I can totally see that. And I want to go back to the topic of a brighter day. I just wanted to know, where do you think it'll be in five years?
3: So our goal is we do have a five year plan, and that is to be a national organization in everything that in every possible way that we're doing this. Um, we're really focused much more in California, particularly Northern California, because that's where we started. But we believe that our programs can be duplicated and be national programs and really make a huge difference. So we wanna end up being a multi-million dollar national charity with national recognition and national celebrities supporting us and touting us, what we can do.
2: You know, I can see that happening and it would be, I think you totally deserve it. It's amazing work that you do. And where do you think you will see yourself? um, Where will you be with the charity in five years? So at some point, and probably in the next few years,
3: we want to bring, we want to kind of exit me as the president, I'll still be maybe president of the board, but the person that runs this charity comes in with national contacts. I'm much more regional contacts. They come in with national contacts, and that's going to be the difference of having contacts from everywhere involved here. Somebody with strong nonprofit, national experience would be great. I come from the for-profit world. But I think ultimately, I'm going to end up stepping aside and being a board member, maybe president of the board, but a board member, being a large donor to the charity and letting this charity be self-sustaining without my help. And I'll just augment it with positive dollars and positive ideas.
2: You know, again, like what you do is incredible. And I was just curious, how many families and teens are you currently serving
3: so, we have about 2,000 people on our uh, bi weekly mailing list that receive what we do. And we have uh, five to almost 14,000 people a month that are downloading resources or using our Zoom program or, or texting program. Um, just staggering the amount of people that are using this. And that's including Facebook, uh, it's including TikTok, it's including Instagram, and it's including the web.
2: Wow. And, you know, I was going to go more to this topic in the next segment, but I was curious to see your take on like the media portrayal of teen suicide. I'm not sure if you know of the show 13 Reasons Why, which basically talks about um, this teenage girl's suicide and how it affects the people in her life afterwards. And some people criticized it saying it was like sensationalizing teen suicide while others praised it. So how do you think that the media can properly address this issue in teens.
3: So I found a movie. I watched the movie. Uh, you know, it, it, having a son who took his own life and committed suicide, and you can't use the word commit suicide anymore because it's the same thing as a crime, but everybody knows that that's the phrase, whether or not we use it. Um, I think that it put a highlight on depression and hurting oneself and the idea of hurting oneself. I think you heard what you ever you wanted to hear from that. I think we just need to have more and more ongoing discussions about preventing teen depression or helping teen depression and preventing suicide. I think that most parents cannot imagine their teen taking their own life. They can't even imagine that. I couldn't before 2015. I never would imagine that. I would have said, no, it's that family. Sure, there are probably drugs involved, divorce involved alcohol involved. My, my son didn't have alcohol or drugs in his system at all. It was just pure depression. But I didn't understand that as a parent. And I think I'm in a majority of 99% of most parents, we don't get it when it comes to teen depression. We get it if our teen's a little bit sad. But basically, we're trying to get through the day as well. The, the school's getting through the day. We're getting through the day. We're getting through the test. We just want to get our teen, teens off to college in a positive atmosphere. And then we've done our job and. We're done, but it's the real nitty-gritty when you pull away the layers of the onion here is what's going on with the psyche and the emotional well-being of our team, and those psyches and well-beings are in trouble today. Now, maybe they've, it's always been like that, and we just didn't understand it as much. I don't think so. I think social media and television, with the shows that have changed, has created an atmosphere of negativity.
2: Exactly. And I see this stigma, especially in like, I'd say like immigrant families where mental illness is kind of seen. It's not exactly fake, but not as real as maybe families who are brought up here think. And have you worked with families who've kind of had that thought process? And if so, how have you worked to kind of changing that mindset?
3: It's hard to change mindset. It's very hard. Um, You know, You know from just how many years has it taken, and and, and we're out of the Civil War more than 150 years now, and we're still having conversations about race and bigotry. It takes a long time to change the mindset of everybody. Um, It helps to open up the conversation, and in our world, I think the key is onboarding celebrities that have a million followers or 2 million or 5 million followers and have them bring that message out that the teen psyche the teen emotional well-being is our treasure and we need to spend more time on it and learn how to get rid of the for-profit Facebook Instagram and TikToks for it that prey on our teens get rid of some of the 24/7 news cycles that prey negativity on the parents dealing with the teens and go back to some positive positive programming But I don't see that happening very quickly because negative headlines and negative thoughts are better sellers than positive headlines and positive thoughts.
2: Yep, it's very unfortunate, but that's so true. And I also think one of the things that might have worsened teen suicide and teen depression is probably COVID and the isolation that followed. So do you see people still struggling with the effects of being really isolated from the world for like two years?
3: I think those effects, Rahani, are, are long-lived, not short-lived. Um, and I, I, I'll tell you why. I, I mean, I see it for myself that we really did a total injustice to our teens during COVID. And we can argue political side to side and, you know, what was recommended and what little information we knew. But at the end of the day, the schools were closed and education was isolating and, yeah, there's a lot of blame to go around, but that won't change that fact on the ground that we as a society did a terrible, terrible injustice to our teens. When I was a teenager, feels like a thousand years ago, when I was a teenager, my senior year in high school was by far my best year in life. I made the most friends. I learned how to deal, deal with girls and dating. I learned how to get self-confidence there that I could get rejected on Friday and feel better about it on Saturday because it was a new day and my life wasn't over because I got rejected and relationships ended and friends fought and all these things happened my senior year and I came out of it stronger than ever. And some of that confidence and character that I have today formed very solidly as a base my senior year in high school. Now, if you take that away and put me in my mother's, that my mother's, kitchen table, or the bedroom, six hours a day or seven hours a day with teachers, you know, giving me classes and trying to do a Zoom program. I am a completely different person today who is not as outgoing, who is not as confident, maybe not as inventive as I learned how to get my senior year and, and learned how to overcome adversarial conditions. All that stuff didn't happen, and I'm a very different person. So... I think this is a lifetime that we've created of injustice to our teens.
2: Yeah, I honestly, like as someone who did online school for a year, I, I had my sophomore year online. It definitely affected me in ways that still probably affect me today. I was very isolated during COVID because actually my grandparents, they live with me. And it was very important to not, you know, potentially spread anything to them. So I was pretty much cooped up inside the home for such a long time that when I came out, it was junior year is very difficult because I forgot kind of how to interact with people face to face. And it was hard. School was really hard um, online and then even harder in person because I was adjusting to this new schedule. And I think one good thing that my school did do was kind of take it easy on us that year. But you know, then I came to my senior year and they started going very hard on us again. So I totally see your point about how it affects teens, And I honestly, as someone who went through it, I do agree with you.
3: Well, here's another story too. There's ai don't want to drop a name here, but there's a local boy who played football here um, in this East Bay. And his goal, he had very good grades, a four point something average. His goal was to go to an Ivy League school and play football. Now, Ivy League schools do not have Scholarships for sports, but they have it packaged in different ways, but that's what he wanted to just he felt like he had the grades um, and everything he needed to get into an Ivy League school, especially after his junior year in high school and then COVID hits in March of his junior year and his grades He's now at home, his grades begin to go down and football his senior year is canceled. And football was everything to him. It was his social life. It was his best friends in the world. He identified himself as a football player that wanted to go to Ivy League, not a high school student that happened to have good grades. So that was taken away from him. His grades dropped. He no longer qualified for any Ivy League school. And he didn't have a plan B after the football season, which didn't happen for him. He went down to the high school with a rope, put it over the crossbars, and hung himself.
2: Wow, that's terrible. And it really does go to show how, like, negatively it can affect people, this isolation.
3: It's, it's a horrible story. It's very true. It's horrible. So many people, so many teens, hundreds of thousands of teens, figuratively, have gone through the same experience not actually, but they mentally checked out. They mentally gave up. They said, I'm not happy. Their friendships waned. These are not short-lived results, as we said earlier. We've got to deal with this as a society. And that's, I think, as a charity where we can be helpful.
2: I definitely think you are. And thank you so much, Elliot, for coming on this program to talk about this very, very critical topic of suicide prevention and you're definitely at an epidemic level, and A Brighter Day is working so hard to make a difference, and we appreciate it. We appreciate your involvement, and again, I'm so sorry for the loss of your son. Listeners, please visit their website, www.abrighterday.info. Um, that's all the time we have for this segment. Make sure to visit our website at expressyourselfteenradio.com and make a donation to BTSY- BTSYA. And in addition, if you're struggling, Make sure to text 741 7471. Thank you. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind
1: the scenes?
2: Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Hello and welcome back to Express Yourself. Today's show is about preventing teen suicide. And right now I'll be sharing some tips on what to do if you see someone you love struggling and how teen suicide can be prevented in general. Number one is early identification and intervention. That means recognizing warning signs and risk factors for teen suicide. It can really help people who are at risk and some warning signs may include changes in behavior, withdrawal from activities, Expressing feelings of hopelessness or worthlessness or talking about death or suicide. Number two, as we were talking about with Elliot earlier, is mental health support. Um, teens definitely need access to mental health services. It's very crucial for preventing teen suicide. And that includes schools, communities, and healthcare systems that provide resources for mental health support. Charities like A Brighter Day, for example, can definitely help. Number three... is promoting social connections. Like we were talking about earlier, COVID definitely made teens feel more isolated. So promoting positive social connections is essential. Encouraging participation in community activities, clubs or support groups can help teens feel more connected and valued. Number six um, is educating parents, educators, and peers. It's very crucial to educate parents educators and peers about the warning signs and risks factors associated with teen suicide, since they're the ones around teens the most. We can have these training programs and workshops that equip them with knowledge and skills needed to support and intervene when necessary. And as Elliot mentioned, A Brighter Day actually has these like toolkits for parents and for teens that can help identify warning signs and providing guidance and input. Number eight is reducing stigma. So it's important to challenge the stigma surrounding mental health issues, which is promoting understanding and empathy and encouraging teenagers to seek help without fear of judgment or shame. Um, I talked about it again with Ellie in the last segment, how sometimes immigrant families, especially our people from any different culture, really are not really used to mental health issues at all. I know like A lot of my friends feel the same way, and I definitely feel it is that in other countries, mental health, especially outside the Western world, mental health is just not talked about as much. It's not portrayed as as big of an issue, even though it is Um, like countries like Japan and India have very, very large suicide rates. So it's very important to kind of educate um, people from different backgrounds who may not know how crucial mental health is and right now i just to end off this show i want to read a poem called the morning after i killed myself by maggie royer and it's so hard-hitting and definitely one of my favorite works of writing of all time i found it on youtube um it was like a video of someone reciting it and it has like more than six million views because of how impactful it is so here's a poem the morning after i killed myself The morning after I killed myself, I woke up. I made myself breakfast in bed. I added salt and pepper to my eggs and used my toast for a cheese and bacon sandwich. I squeezed a grapefruit grapefruit into a juice glass. I scraped the ashes from the frying pan and rinsed the butter off the counter. I washed the dishes and folded the towels. The morning after I killed myself, I fell in love, not with the boy down the street or the middle school principal, not with the everyday jogger or the grocer who always left avocados out of the bag. I fell in love with my mother and the way she sat on the floor of my room holding each rock from my collection in her palms until they grew dark with sweat. I fell in love with my father down at the river as he placed my note into a bottle and sent it into the current. With my brother who once believed in unicorns but who now sat in his desk at school trying desperately to believe I still existed. The morning after I killed myself, I walked the dog. I watched the way her tail twitched when a bird flew by or how her pace quickened at the sight of a cat. I saw the empty space in her eyes when she reached a stick and turned around to greet me so we could play catch but saw nothing but sky and place. I stood by as stranger stroked her muzzle and she wilted beneath their touch like she once did for mine. The morning after I killed myself, I went back to the neighbor's yard where I left my footprints in concrete as a two year old and examined how they were already fading. I picked a few daylilies and pulled a few weeds and watched the elderly woman through her window as she read the paper with the news of my death. I saw her husband spit tobacco into the kitchen sink and bring her her daily medication. The morning after I killed myself, I watched the sun come up. Each orange tree opened like a hand and the kid down the street pointed out a single red cloud to his mother. The morning after I killed myself, I went back to that body in the morgue and tried to talk some sense into her. I told her about the avocados and the stepping stones, the river and her parents. I told her about the sunsets and the dog at the beach. The morning after I killed myself, I tried to unkill myself, but couldn't finish what I started. I hope you enjoyed that poem and found this show to be very informative. Again, it was very heavy and I hope you all are taking care of yourselves and you remember to prioritize your mental well-being. And we are out of time for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, especially our audio engineer, Andrew. Thank you to our guests from across the world and a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. For more information about Be The Star You Are charity, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. Find us on Instagram at Express Yourself Radio. Tomorrow will be a brighter day. Don't give up and stay. Always remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit expressyourselfteenradio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines, if you would let yourself.